So much happening on this Wednesday in women's basketball. Talia Goodman over at the Next and many other places is all over it here to chat about it. Locked on women's basketball starts now. Welcome to Wallet. For the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome to Lockdown Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Megdahl. I want to thank you for making us your first listen every day. Over 172,000 of you showed up for us in December alone, the way we show up for you six days a week, covering the past, present, and oh yes, the immediate future of women's basketball. You want to know what's going on in WNBA free agency? We are all over it. Our great Jackie Powell had the story of John Paul Jones deciding to return to New York. Go to thenexthoops.com and subscribe. $9 a month, $72 a year for over 100 reported pieces on women's basketball in your inbox. And my goodness, quite a few of them coming from uh, one of our newest contributors, Talia Goodman, who's been doing a little bit of everything. In segment one, we're going to talk transfer tracker that's right if you want to know who's on the move and there's a lot of players on the move she's got you covered so excited to talk as well about her terrific Seton Hall piece happened right in my backyard Michaela Blates is off to Vandy so all over the map Talia when you think about just the transfer tracker first of all what what do you think it says about where the game is right now that so many players are choosing to move? I mean, you know, kind of leave the moral part of it out of it. So I feel like a lot of people come into it from that perspective. What, if, what does it mean about building a team? A lot. I mean, I think it's been proven that you can succeed by recruiting out of the portal every year. And I mean, we've seen that just with LSU this year and how well their transfers have, have sort of adapted to this team. I think it says a lot how many transfers entered last year and where they kind of ended up and how you maybe underrate some of these kids coming out of high school and you never know what they'll turn out to be. So there's everyday updates that we'll be doing here. So it's it, you, you've recommended, and I think this is great advice. You bookmark it, you keep coming back to it, but it's there's something different about the way we think about college basketball, right? Because now it's just a consistent 12-month-a-year story when it comes to who's playing where and what it means for these programs. Do you feel like there's going to be an impact on the way women's basketball needs to be covered as a result of this? Absolutely. I think, you know, with men's basketball, the information is out there. Pretty much everything you need, the information is always communicated. It's out there by someone. And with women's basketball, obviously, that's what we're heading towards right now. And I think the the tracker will be a huge part of just getting that information out there for fans to see where it hasn't been in the past. Um, and, and I think it's huge, not only for fans, but, you know, coaches will have access to this and be able to look at it and see easily in like a concise list who's in the portal, who's available. Um, and so I think it'll just be really helpful for everyone to have that information out there and, and organized. To be able to report it in real time as well. I mean, how enjoyable is it just as a journalist to be able to say, you know, look, I'm able to sort of think about this stuff and then be able to interpret it uh, in real time, even as the season is going on this year to what next year might look like, right? 
it's fun. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're constantly thinking someone enters, where are they going to end up? And that that's the fun of it. And of course, with the Ivy, the rules are a little bit different. So there's a bunch more players in there from the Ivy League right now. So it's definitely just interesting to be looking at it on a day to day basis and thinking, you know, where are we going to be at next year with this? So as far as the listeners go, and, and here, let's both get this right, because Jen Hatfield's going to insist on it, right? It's that if if you are playing in the Ivy for four years, you didn't have access to that fifth year. They don't let graduate students play, right? So those players are transferring. They're taking the Abby Myers route and transferring from the Ivy into these other programs. Do I have that right? Yes. Yeah. And they, they can enter now and then they'll finish out the season at their Ivy school. Unlike most players who are entering from other conferences. It's so interesting. You know, I was just at Columbia Princeton this past weekend, which was a really good game between two elite teams. It just feels to me like there's a gradual realization that there is clearly a pathway from the Ivy players to the top, you know, power five schools. We've seen it in the Big Ten. We've seen it across the board. You know, Abby Myers went to Maryland uh, and starred there for Brenda Freeze. Do you feel like there's a greater understanding of the gap that's disappeared? Because I, I listen, I'm old enough to remember uh, not long ago that WNBA GMs would say flat out, gee, if she didn't play to power five, I don't think that data counts. And I thought that was crazy then. It seems crazier now, right? Yeah, no, it totally does. And I think we're seeing that even just with the parity of, you know, all the upsets that we're getting this year that maybe wouldn't have happened a few years ago. And I think it's cool. Like, it's not just the power fives for succeeding. Princeton was ranked earlier this season. Like, it's it's kind of all over the country. You don't have to be in, you know, the ACC, the Big Ten to, to be at that high level of play. For sure. Now, you're a student in Indiana, which has, as I understand it, a fairly decent women's basketball team. Is there? <laughs> I'm curious what brought you to the women's game, you know, to to be passionate about it. You you live it, you know, and clearly, you know, we've got your Instagram down below, but uh, your Twitter account is also terrific for following all the things you do. And you you write and report for a number of different outlets. Uh, it, it's wonderful to see if you'll forgive kind of a point of personal privilege here uh, to my listeners. You are a rising star in this industry. And I'm so excited to see where you're going. But take me through like how you fell in love with the with the women's basketball game specifically. Yeah. So as soon as I, even before I got to Indiana, I was assigned to be on the women's basketball beat. And I was so excited, like beyond excited about it. It was what I'd hoped for. I'd never really... Uh, my dad covers men's college basketball, so I've been in that world for a long time, and I'd never really been exposed to kind of the women's basketball world, I think just because my mind was already filled with so much men's basketball, but I didn't have it in me. But when I got to school here, I mean, the women's team right now is the better team here for sure to follow, and I just, I fell in love with covering it and the access that you get and how much these these women, these players appreciate you telling their stories. And that's my big thing is I love storytelling. I love being able to help people get their stories out there. And I and I think the women's team here is just such a great place to be able to do that. And then obviously fell in love with the sport on a national level too. It's always, that's been the separator for me, to be honest with you. And I grew up uh, following the men's game you know, more than the women's game for among other reasons, because it was simply far easier because it was what we were exposed to on a regular basis. I grew up just outside of Philly. So I was lucky enough to have somebody like Mel Greenberg covering the women's game at the Inquirer, but such things were uh, fewer and further between, like you said, in the same way. And that's the difference, right? Telling these stories, I love basketball period, but it feels like we're able to make a difference uh, in an area that, 
really needs more. Plus, I obviously had the chance to cover Grace Berger yes. uh, last year. And so that'll that'll make you a convert uh, just in and of itself. So it all makes sense to me. Um, I, I'm fascinated just to see the growth of this Indiana team because and you go back into Indiana history. Mm-hmm. There isn't that great women's basketball team the way you kind of expect it uh, when the state of Indiana has this rich basketball tradition. Yeah, what Terry Morin has been able to do with this program is incredible. I think it starts with that, you know, the NIT year, the year that they won it. And then from there, like the growth that they've had is just incredible. And some of these players, you, you know, you think about Mackenzie Holmes, how she was, you know, just a girl from Maine. And I wrote that story earlier this year. And it's just so cool what they've been able to do with these players that these recruits that no one had really heard all that much about before they got to Indiana and what they've become. You go up to Maine and Mackenzie Holmes is like a household name beyond even literally lobster. You know, like I think she's overtaken lobster in the state of Maine as the most famous export. Is is that you're a New England product yourself? Is that fair? Am I overstating it? Definitely in Maine. I actually was up at the Maine game this year in November and I got to see that environment live. And man, it was like half like 50% Mackenzie Holmes fans there, I would say at least. And then, you know, there's the Maine fans too. They're passionate about their basketball for sure, but they love their their homegrown um, basketball star. And they loved her when she was in high school and they love to support her now. Yeah, it, it really was wonderful to see a full house okay. for Mackenzie Holmes. And again, it's just all of these players who are transcendent figures in the game, it feels like in so many ways, even now, and, and it's more than 50 years after Title IX, but in so many ways, we still feel present at, at the creation of what's going on in women's basketball right now. So I'm real excited about it. We should talk about uh, Mackenzie's current team. We'll get into some more Big Ten in segment two. I also want to talk about your awesome Seton Hall story, uh, which just happened right here in our backyard. So a lot to get to in segment two. Really looking forward to it. But first... Excited to talk to you guys about eBay Motors. And listen, passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophies is also what brings your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. At eBay Motors, you get all the parts at the prices you want, so it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Lockdown Women's Basketball is also brought to you by Hungry Root. So, listen, we're all trying to eat a little healthier in 2024, right? I've tried to figure it out at the margins, but with the work I do, I'm doing a lot of travel. It's staying on the road. It's figuring out the fastest, easiest way to do it. Hungry Root is here to rescue you from short-lived resolutions by making meal planning easy and nutritious. 
Hungry Root makes it easy for anyone to eat healthy. They support all the major diets and lifestyles, including gluten-free, vegan, vegetarian, dairy-free, low-carb, and others. If this applies to you or someone you know, please make sure that they understand that Hungry Root can be for you. It also saves you money. You're not buying groceries. You're not wasting things. You're able to do the healthy thing and do it at the right price. So 100 Root right now is offering Locked On NBA channel listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. How do you get it? Go to HungryRoot.com slash Locked On to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Locked On. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Back here in segment two with Talia Goodman. And I just want to set the scene for this story. Two players on Seton Hall don't just go to see the story, which is on our site for the childhood pictures, which are like, yeah. alone. but like, I, I, I don't even want to give it away. Take us through this incredible story of two players born same day, same place. Like, and that's just the beginning of it. Right. Same day, same hospital, few hours apart. They're from about a town away. They're the same height. They both, you know, go on to play basketball. They're both left-handed. They're both play for Seton Hall now. I mean, the, the similarities kind of never end. I'm still finding out new things about it every, every single day from talking to their parents, from talking to head coach uh, Tony Bazella over there at Seton Hall. Um, and it's just an incredible story. I've never heard anything like it. So I was so happy to be able to tell it. Azana Baines in Brazil, Harvey Carr yes. come to me. Now, first of all, you, you pitched this to me and it was like, oh, this is a fascinating story. It's two Jersey kids. It was like, all right, well, this was this was probably the easiest yes that I've given to any story I can ever remember. But also just, you know, the fact that they are so alike in so many different ways also. How much do you think that plays a part in the overall uh, Seton Hall ethos being part of what they do? Because they're very much Jersey players. And I think we've talked about this off the air, right? Like, if you were to take the state of New Jersey and make it into a person, it would it would look and sound like Tony Bazella. It would, yes. No, he's the best. But I think, you know, their chemistry is something that, you know, can't be understated. They both grew up watching each other play in the AAU ranks, playing against each other. They didn't know each other, but their parents actually played at the same high school, but basketball, which is nuts. Um, so it just... I think their chemistry and how similar they are personality-wise is what really stuck out to me when I was talking to both of them. They share the same sense of humor. They can almost finish finish each other's sentences a little bit. So they have that, the almost twin connection that you can't, I mean, it's just nuts. It's so cool. And, you know, Baines, of course, uh, played at Gloucester Catholic, and uh, but for Lisa Gadaka, who, you know, a, a legend who uh, played at Villanova uh, during her playing days, Gloucester Catholic now, one of the best programs in the area. Harvey Carr over at Leap Academy, a lot of overlap in the work that they have done. Bottom line, and I guess this is sort of bigger picture for Seton Hall, this is a really talent-rich area for reasons that we'll kind of get into. And I just, how much does Rutgers not 
holding court in the state of New Jersey the way Maryland does in the state of Maryland, the way Indiana does in the state of Indiana, and certainly what Iowa does, and frankly, what Minnesota has done late Lindsey Whalen era and into the Dawn era as well. How much of that is an opportunity for Seton Hall to come in and grab the players that they need? Princeton, Right. No, it's huge. And I think they both came from different schools, different programs. They're both at two different places before they even ended up at Seton Hall. And when I talked to Tony, the thing he said is, you know, I wish I could have had them my whole, their, their whole career. And so I think that will definitely help in the recruiting ranks as well. But I think mm -hmm. it goes back to the portal, which is what we were talking about earlier, how useful the portal can be. I mean, these are two women who are from the area who ended up coming back home, which I think is just such a cool story in and of itself. Um, but then it is just the talent that you're getting from that. Yeah. I mean, it is just, I don't know. There are folks who talk about, gee, we're losing the passion for college basketball because, oh, players don't stay. I just feel like we heard that conversation about the men's professional ranks when free agency came along. And then it turns out, no, you know, players having the freedom to do it turned out to be a good thing, a better thing, a lifestyle thing, especially when you are making those decisions at 16, 17, 18 years of age and then finding out new or different information. I, I, I'm hard pressed. It, you know, I'm a big believer in, all right, don't run away to something that's hard. That is different from saying, you know, gee, players shouldn't have the opportunity to better their situations. It's like the difference between playing through aches and pains and playing injured, right? Yeah. You know, you the people who say you should just play no matter what uh, you're feeling physically never made any sense to me. And the people who just say, you know, oh, you should not do it if you're feeling anything minor. The, the answer, as always in life, is somewhere in the gray area. So yeah. seeing, seeing Tony sort of um, exemplify that, that he's able to grab those players uh, coming in, but also as transfers. It seems like that's the very essence of a modern team, right? Yeah, and I think a really another great example of that is right next door to me at Assembly Hall. We've got Sydney Parrish who came over from Oregon, and I just did a story about how crazy her journey has been. Obviously, from Indiana, decides to go to Oregon with one of the best classes in history. Right there, none of them are there now. She had a, she was there the COVID year. She was the first player to get COVID that year. So going through that, having a guy in a hazmat suit come to your dorm and take you away to go by yourself for ten days is scary. You're getting uh, helicoptered home from games. There are wildfires. And so you just need a different situation. You need to switch it around a little bit. And obviously the story of her coming back home is, I mean, it's, it's a story that never gets old and it worked out very, very well for her. So, and, and of course she told, uh, our M Adler that she's coming back for, uh, her fifth year next year. She said, if Terry will have her, which I'm pretty sure Terry will have her. So <laughs> yes, Terry will have her. So she I will think, be back here next year. I think that's, that's a safe assumption. Uh, the, the other Jersey product I want to talk to you about, and then in segment three, we're going to uh, put you on the spot uh, with big 10 predictions. So we'll get to that in just a second. But uh, you had a story, you talked to Michaela Blakes, um, who's one of the big New Jersey uh, prospects this year. Uh, she chose Rutgers was in the mix, you know, and again, I, I don't want to, Coquise Washington has a big test ahead of her and it's just year two and it takes a long time to build, but that had to be a blow to have Michaela Blake show into Vanderbilt instead of Rutgers. Take me through from uh, that conversation that you had with Michaela about what went into her decision. Well, I think the, the first thing I want to say is 
you'd think I'm from New Jersey with all the Jersey stories I'm covering here. This is not. How did I even realize it until you just said it? Like, <laughs> what's my obsession with New Jersey right now? I don't hate it. <laughs> I don't I know don't what's going on. Yeah, so I, I've talked to Michaela Blakes twice now. I saw her play, actually, um, this summer at Nike Nationals when I was down covering that event. And she's she's fun to watch. And the offers that she had were, were so impressive. She had, you know, the UCLA's, the Indiana's. Um, and the Vanderbilt's, of course. Um, and when I talked to her two days ago, um, the big thing she said was that she wanted to find a family feel and she just felt really comfortable there. She felt like she could grow as a person there and she wants to help with the the resurgence of this program. And I think obviously we've all seen what Vanderbilt has done this season. They've been very impressive. And I think watching that and getting to visit, obviously Nashville, Tennessee doesn't help, uh, doesn't hurt at all. So good place to be. And I think she just sees it as a place where she'll, she'll thrive and be able to help grow a program. Shay Ralph, it was a matter of when, not if, for how she'd kind of build that program. So we'll talk about on the other side of our second break, we'll talk about a little more Rutgers, a little more Indiana, and just sort of where the Big Ten is, because it is more fluid, I think, than a lot of people uh, gave it credit for being. So we'll be back for that in a second. But first, I want to talk to you guys about the deal that FanDuel is continuing to offer. We're heading into the NFC-AFC championship game. Um, doesn't really apply to me as a fan, uh, as a New York Giants fan, sadly, but uh, all the same, these games are going on. They've decided to hold the playoffs anyway. And the NFL offer is significant from FanDuel. The new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Again, it's $150 in bonus bets if you win or lose. You know, it's for games over under, same game parlays. Explore it because there's a lot of options, but um, it's not overwhelming. You go to the Explore tab, you check it out, and you find the right fit for you. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to make that first bet. No, you can't bet on the Giants, but there are teams still playing. That it, Again, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So back in segment three with Talia Goodman and... When we think about where Rutgers is, you know, that game against Michigan this past weekend was surprisingly close, right? There are these unexpected wins from Minnesota. And, you know, those who are listening to the program have heard me talk about Mara Braun for a long time. Uh, she, of course, came into Indiana and got totally stopped by the Hoosier defense. Indiana has some unexpected losses too. Michigan State. Uh, and, uh, you know, what Robin Freilich is doing over there is not to be ignored, a top five offense efficiency wise in the country. What's been the biggest surprise to you so far out of this crazy Big Ten season? I think it might be Michigan State for me. I think it really hit me, of course, watching the the game against Iowa. And of course, Caitlin Clark does what Caitlin Clark does. And that's how the game ends. But how Michigan State was able to to hang in there has been really, really impressive to me. And I think Ohio State is also starting to to show up a little bit more. I mean, they've been steady. They they are known for their comebacks, and they've been doing that all season long. But they, I thought they would be a really dominant <laughs> team. I thought, you know, easily better than Iowa. When I looked at that roster, when I looked at the transfers they got, I was like, oh yeah, easy number one. Not so sure about that now. I think it is still Iowa, even after their win at home. I think Iowa still, you know, reigns dominant in the Big Ten. But I think there is just a lot more kind of parity than I thought to it. 
Cody McMahon is sort of the missing link to my mind between Ohio State being a good team and Ohio State being a great team. So not just that win against Iowa, but seeing her go for 33 and to do it, you know, shooting 12 for 21 from two uh, in the process seems like a very big deal to me. You know, obviously, J.C. Sheldon gets a lot of the talk when it comes to next level, but I had folks tell me last year that McMahon is in the conversation for freshman of the year for them, right alongside, you know, folks like Tania Latson and Kiki Rice. So, you know, do you feel as if that Iowa game was a breakthrough, not just in terms of outcome, but in terms of process? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it'll kind of carry them for, I mean, they have a tough, the big 10 schedule is tough. It's a tough one. They have Indiana coming up. I'll be at that game. They have that at home. And I think that that's a huge turning point for them, what they'll be able to kind of take from the momentum of the huge win they just got that you can't can't replicate that one. So I think um, it'll be really interesting to see how they move forward and move past that win and kind of don't um, underestimate any of the Big Ten teams because you really can't. Like you can't even Rutgers, even the like there's no one you can really underestimate in this. Um, Rutgers played your your Indiana Hoosiers tough. And so I, I you know I saw them firsthand. I, I let's leave on this note with Indiana. Indiana is 16 and 2. And like we talked about, what what Terry has done there is nothing short of remarkable. It's turned them into a power year in and year out. They're winning 20 plus games. It was short in COVID season in 2021 and still 20 wins. It's just automatic now. Indiana has its sights set on the final four. That's sort of the next step. 16 and two right now is something short of a final four for Indiana this year going to be falling short of the goals that the program has for itself? Yes and no. Um, I think heading into this year, I probably would have said yes, but after watching this, it's not the same team they had last year. So I don't know if a final four is necessarily where they'll end up. I think they have the potential to be that kind of a team, but there are still some things they have to work on. And obviously um, Sydney Parrish didn't play in the last game. We're not sure what's up with her right now. And I think that she's a big, big piece for this team. And if she's out, it kind of changes the trajectory of everything, but um, they got to work on taking care of the ball a little bit better they're rebounding. Obviously, they have an All-American in Mackenzie Holmes. And everyone um, doubles her, and then they're the shooters. So you really can't win with Indiana. There are so many different options. And I think they are a very, very talented team. Um, but there are so many very, very talented teams that, you know, the Final Four is not, if you don't make the Final Four, that's not a failure. There are so many good teams right now. 100% agree. And fascinating to see how they get there. I'll just leave, you know, it's just a free idea from the Indiana program, Grace Berger is still in the state. You know, she plays for the Fever. She's there during the offseason. You know, if, find a way in this moment to stretch her eligibility and get her back. You know, it's the Wild West right now for the NCAA. It would, that, she'd be huge. She'd be helpful, right? Yeah, you think? I think she'd be – yeah, yeah, they probably – you know, I think they could have won that, that Iowa game if they had. <laughs> I think you're right. Well, Talia Goodman, it is delightful to work with you. Make sure you are following her everywhere you can. Instagram, Twitter. What's the Twitter handle? At Goodman Sport. That's where I am mostly. <laughs> and check, check out all that she's doing and make sure you check out, obviously, what she's doing 
over at the next. Can't wait to see what's ahead. Uh, Talia, thank you for your time. To our listeners, want to thank you, as always, the great Gigi Spear will be hosting tomorrow. So enjoy that upgrade, friends. And I will be back with you come next week. Until then, I'm Howard Magdal, wishing all of you a wonderful Wednesday. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball.